<laughs> Got fluff the button. Are you zhuzhing it up? <laughs> Are we ready? You already have Are you ready to recant everything you said last time? I know, right? Let's start and then we'll get into it. Okay. Oh, are we going to do an update to that case? We're going to do an update to that case. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We are the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Rachel. Welcome to Murder Brunch. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Murder Brunch. We are the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Joe. And I'm Rachel. And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of murder and mayhem and discuss where a killer lies on Dr. Stone's scale of evil. Perfection. I think that was Clinton, really good. Clinton does it the best. Clinton does it the best. I we think, should make him do it. Yeah, I think he should do it from now on. From now on. That's your job. All right. I am the voice of Murder Brunch. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want that role. But can you do it like in a whisper next time? Like sultry. <laughs> murder Brunch. <laughs> I think we're going to give off the wrong vibes about what we're into. All I can think of, I like imagine my mind is Ruby Rod from the fifth album. <laughs> <laughs> Are we green? Yeah. Super green. <laughs> Um, so what's going on? Uh, not a whole lot. What's going on with you? <laughs> we should probably tell our listeners that we are recording this after the holidays, yes. uh, the Thanksgiving holidays, and we have been eating a lot of leftovers and we are... And we're a bit rusty because we, we had other conflicts as well so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to record we are ready for a nap we are ready for a nap i'm ready for a nap murder nap murder nap murder nap. that's just death <laughs> i know right, <laughs> right well, first i'm gonna murder you and then you're gonna take a nap take a little nap <laughs> for eternity um okay well first let's do an update yes as you might have heard listener on our it was our last episode right mm-hmm I covered the story of John Eisenman, and when I did that story, I specifically said this one is a very recent case, and <laughs> this is a classic. Don't listen to what the media puts out first, <laughs> right? So this is the one, just to refresh your memory, where a dad allegedly killed his daughter's boyfriend because the boyfriend had trafficked the daughter into a sex ring, and that is starting to unfold that that may not have been the case. And we did discuss that in uh, often, that right. w- how could it be? Because a big thing was like a sex trafficking ring where there was no arrest made for the ring. There was no information about the organization that she was supposedly sold to, all that stuff. So um, it looks to be like that may not have been the real story. So certain, certain things are starting to come out in the media um, that may make us change his scale level right yeah and so now i feel really bad because we kept on calling the victim in this a, like a piece of shit <laughs> we did. like and i feel bad because i mean you know you go off of what people are telling you 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 try to find reputable sources sources but you know sometimes you don't know the whole story and now it's like he's got Cerebral palsy and yes, and- <laughs> his mother has come forward to say that her son Andrew Sorensen, the boyfriend, has cerebral palsy, had a very low IQ. He was basically disabled and not capable of trafficking anyone, let alone even being this the girl's boyfriend. Like that, even that's coming to question on whether they even had a relationship or not. So. We're going to just follow this case and see where it goes and see what develops. Yeah. And but we- obviously, <clears throat> it is not what. Was presented. What? Yeah. What's his name? Eisenman. Eisenman. It was is not what Eisenman stated to the police, and so obviously he is going to be bumped up a few levels. Yeah, on our scale. So he'll be our first one, I think, that will get moved on the scale when we have the final. Uh, I guess maybe we'll. <laughs> I guess maybe we'll wait till after the trial. Like this might be a couple of years before we actually get to decide. But yeah, I think uh, I think it, we'll have to we'll have to move him eventually. Mm-hmm. So for right now, we'll put him on the board with a with a very big bright star asterisk <laughs> question that, marks. Yeah, he's going to move. But it is wild that that's all coming out now. It's uh, I'm very curious to see where this is. It's going. It's crazy that that's the <clears throat> the story that he chose to present to the right. world. Yeah, like that well, was... because, like, clearly... It's, it's like, Trump's yeah. like us. Yeah. No, everybody <laughs> wanted to believe that story because yeah. they love the idea of <laughs> someone getting revenge for something terrible. And when these new articles started coming out, um, a lot of law enforcement people have come forward saying, like, that doesn't happen. Like, everybody wants to be the guy who saves their daughter from a sex trafficking ring, but they're, like, the, the actual numbers of times that has happened are nil. Like, it doesn't... Dads just are not able to do those kinds of things. 
So, um, so wear your jorts. Yeah. Put on your polo. <laughs> I don't know and what's going to happen. Stay home. My, my initial reaction is that maybe this girl and the, and the boy did have a relationship and the dad didn't like it because of who the boy was. I don't know yet. I don't know. And, and it, you know, it, it may being that he had these issues. If you know that's true, that's true. We, I mean, if we that's know. even true, but if he had these issues, there he may the the kid Andrew may have been under um, a delusion or something like that, where you know she was nice to him, and so she's my girlfriend, and right. she was nice to him. She's like, oh yeah, I'm your girlfriend, you know, and and maybe he just said something. At the wrong time yeah. to the wrong person, or I don't know, but I mean, I like know. obviously, the circumstances of, of this is like just so far off what people originally thought. Right, it is bonkers how this is turning out. I'm surprised it's not making more news. Like it shows up on my feed, but that's because I have the algorithms for uh, true crime. So. Well, I think it's kind of like we're saying though is well, I mean, it did show up in the news when the new updates came out because you but, saw it. You saw yeah, stuff? I, I did. I saw stuff, but now it's kind of stopped i think there's just no uh no more new information at the moment yeah i think we just have to wait so we'll see how that goes mm. and my apologies for uh for jumping the gun i'll try not to do that again it's weird because i usually do a lot of historical crimes yeah. and i chose to pick one recent one and i bust it all up we did preface it though we would say that we would update it if uh new information came out and new information came out definitely um a good moment then to uh, reach out to our listeners and say, hey, any thoughts you have on it? Yeah, please. Email us. Tweet us. You want to talk about brunch? No. Okay. <laughs> I thought that's why we're here, but I guess that. Okay. We have a very low-key brunch because as Clinton mentioned, it is right after Thanksgiving and we are just I feel like still ins- full. Instead of low-key, I think it's just right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. We do go overboard quite a bit. This is probably a good one. So we have breakfast sandwiches. Which are delish and sweet potato casserole from Clinton's Thanksgiving. This is an old 50s recipe from my grandparents. 50s? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. It's uh, a lot of butter and a lot of sugar. <laughs> that's all you really Oh, yeah. Need. Didn't it was like three bar? Like, it was, things it was two full sticks of butter <gasps> and a cup of sugar and a cup of brown sugar. Oh, my gosh. Uh, on top of all the sweet potato and stuff. It was great. It was it delicious. Was. <laughs> and then cookies. We got a bunch of cookies. And we're doing coffee drinks today. We're boozy on. coffee. Well, mine's boozy. <laughs> yeah, Clinton's is boozy. <clears throat> we're, Joe and I are abstaining. Yeah, it's just assorted coffees for today, which, you know, that's brunchy. It's brunchy. You're brunchy. Thank you. You're brunchy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Meaning refreshing and overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> and pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. All right, so shall we get into our first story? Yes, please. Okay, this is our story in which we will rank this killer on the scale of evil. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I'm Are ready. we all brunchy? I'm brunched. Okay. The time, 1984. Everything happens in 84. Mm. The, I think they wrote a book about that. <laughs> the place, Kerrville, Texas. Little Chelsea McClellan arrives at her pediatrician's office for a routine checkup and to receive a round of shots. These shots were administered by the pediatric certified vocational nurse on duty, Janine Jones. Hmm. Shortly after these shots, Chelsea McClellan stopped breathing and died. Chelsea McClellan's age is different in every article that I read. It was between four months and 15 months. But oh. she was not any older than like one and a half years old. Right. Two little baby. This event caused an investigation into Janine that revealed that she had been poisoning children the whole of her professional career dating back to 1977. Way to go, anti-vaxxers. You had it right. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. We'll give you that one. Okay. <laughs> That sucks. Right? That's real shitty. Right. (laughs) That's real bad. Yeah. I think we can be very confident in calling this person a piece of shit. Oh, (laughs) great. There is no definitive number of victims, but there are estimates as high as 60. Why why aren't there definitive numbers? Like, I mean, we'll get to that. Okay. I was going to say. It's going to make you real, real upset. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. While working at a pediatric intensive care unit... 
at Bexar County Hospital in San Antonio, administration noticed that, quote, a statistically inordinate number of children, end quote, were dying. These children Janine had been working with directly or their deaths occurred during her shifts. However, to avoid damage to their reputation and any lawsuits that may occur, the hospital chose not to pursue a full investigation and instead asked all their certified vocational nurses to resign, which she did. Oh my gosh. So not only that, but like a bunch of other women got fired, basically. Exactly. And obviously because they, they focused on this particular job, because they replaced the vocational nurses. Because they're the ones who can administer shots. To Well, no for like a higher level of nurse, like an RNA or something like that. <clears throat> is it RNA? I think no. it's just RN. RN. RNA <laughs> is like DNA, but something right. else. <laughs> We're smart. Science. <laughs> All right. But well, so I think a vocational nurse is like more of a, I, I don't know how to explain it. Is it, a, is it a rank that even still exists? I don't know. You don't really hear about a yeah. vocational nurse. Because vocational makes me think that it's almost like a trade right. rather than... Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Clinton. Clinton comes to the floor. A licensed vocational nurse, LVN, is known as a licensed practical nurse, LPN, or vocational nurse, is someone who works in a hospital to care for disabled, sick, or otherwise injured patients. So it's just a, a like an all-type nurse. It's a nurse. Yeah. As far as the difference between vocational and... RN. RN. A registered nurse RN has to have an associate degree in nursing, but often will be enrolled in a four-year Bachelor of Science nursing program. So it looks like the vocational is less schooling. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Where they learn a certain... Like, because she was she always... Tasks. She was yeah. always pediatrics. Yeah. So maybe it's like, you learn this nursing... Maybe you can't do all the different things, but it's in it's in pediatrics, and that's all you do. This is like when the church shuffled around those priests, but worse because kids are actually dying. Like, you know what I mean? Like the fact that those hospitals. Well, I'm just I'm her. trying I'm trying to figure out if it's worse. I feel like it's worse because kids are dying. At least when the priests were doing their terrible, terrible deeds, those kids lived. Yeah, they had to deal with that the rest of their lives. Yeah, they did. They did, but they weren't dead. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's still shitty. Um, yes. Okay, so she resigned at the hospital. But after this, Janine took a position in Kerrville as at a pediatric clinic. So it's that it's that thing like cops do it and stuff like that where they get the county over. fired but not fired but then they just go to another place and mm-hmm. get the same job because there's no little tab on their file that says <laughs> hey by the way they might like beat people <laughs> <Kid> to death. <laughs> um, it was there that the doctor at this clinic discovered a puncture mark in a bottle of oh man I looked it up and I didn't write down how you pronounce it. I think it's like succoline. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. It's a medicine. Yeah. Okay. So she found a puncture mark in a bottle of drugs. Okay. This bottle was located in the storage area of the clinic to which only the doctor and Janine had access to. When the contents of the bottle were later analyzed, analyzed, analyzed. We all ready to analyze. (laughs) Get those knees up. Later, anal- <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Analyze. Analyze. Yes. Gotta start with that anal. That's right. Okay. So when it was later analyzed, it was discovered that the drug had been diluted in what would seem in an, an effort to make the bottle appear full. However, in fact, only 20% of the solution was that particular drug, which means 80% of it was missing. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Pause. Succinylcholine. 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 Mm, I don't like how she says it. <laughs> Choline. <laughs> All right. Okay. So at this clinic alone, Janine would be charged with the poisoning of six children. She would use medications that would cause paralysis of all the skeletal muscles, including those responsible for breathing. It is thought, though unconfirmed, 
that she would give the children an overdose of the medicine with the intention of reviving them and being seen as a hero. Mm -hmm. But many had so much drug used on them that it would be impossible to revive them. And the others would not be able to recover from the internal damage that would occur from the poisoning. Yeah, she just wanted to kill people. Exactly. I mean, if her motive was that, she was terrible at it. Yeah. Because everybody died. She didn't save anybody. In 1985, Janine Jones went to trial for the murder of Chelsea McClellan and had a second trial that year for harming a four-month-old Ronaldo Santos by injecting him with a blood thinner. Fortunately, Ronaldo survived. She was sentenced to 99 years and 60 years, respectively. However, due to a law that has since been done away with, she was scheduled for a mandatory release in 2018. In June of 2017, Janine Jones was charged with the deaths of five children from her time at the San Antonio Hospital. In January 2020, Jones pled guilty to one of the charges and took a plea deal that would keep her in jail but would allow her to be eligible for parole in 2037 when she is the age of 87. Odds of getting parole are slim as every time she has come up for it, the families of the victims are there to testify. So, most likely, Janine Jones will die in prison. Good. Why? Your question from earlier. Uh, why don't we know how many children? Why don't we know how many children? Because when she, in 1985, when she had these two trials, yeah. and it was discovered that she had poisoned and killed these two, well, the one girl, and then tried to poison and kill the, the little boy. And he was like four months old. Right. The hospitals... And doctors that worked for her destroyed the records. Oh. Because they didn't want to be seen as Because they negligent. didn't want ties. So when they did more investigating into her, there were no records to see who she had been working with, at what time she was working at those hospitals, nothing like that. So like the, the fact that it took so many years, 2017, to charge her with five deaths from the 80s, I mean, that probably took a lot of effort and research to to actually get evidence of those which, five kids. Which probably means that those doctors did know something. Oh, yeah. No, there were, was there were plenty of people who had red flags on her. What the fuck? Yeah. And so... I don't know how you... Which is, I mean, like, that was, like, my earlier point where it's, like, they, they only said certified vocational nurses need to right. resign because they knew it was her... Yeah. And they just wanted a blanket thing to get rid of her, uh, everybody around her so that they couldn't say, well, it's her fault. I don't know how you, especially a healthcare worker, I don't know how you live with yourself knowing that you were a party to those kinds of actions. That you allowed that to happen. Because, I don't know, because the people who are actually making those decisions are the ones who aren't healthcare workers. Ugh. They're the ones that who make money off of healthcare workers. That's sick. That's so gross. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, oh, well, if people lose confidence in the ho- in the hospital, then, you know, they won't come here and people blah, 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 bullshit. Right? No. Mm. It's, it's, you don't lose confidence in a building. Yeah. You lose confidence in people hiring shitty people. Mm-hmm. You know? There is a hospital near us that I don't want to go to. Only because they have shitty people working there. Mm. <sighs> This is a fun story. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too. We were just speaking about vaccinations. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm almost positive Dr. Stone has a whole section about angel of deaths, kind of. Because this is a well-known, like, of nurses and doctors who do this kind of thing, right? But... Does she qualify? Does she qualify? Because typically it's people who start out, at least, just helping very sick members of society along. Right. They feel like they're saving them from anguish and pain. Whereas for this, it just seems like she just got off on killing no, kids. Yeah, nobody was like so... I mean, like, Chelsea McClellan wasn't sick at right. all. And she... Like, do you have anything about her background? Like, who is this woman? Like, why would she... She didn't really have much... Like, did she show any remorse at the trials or anything like that? No, I mean, like, and even that, what they described as, oh, she wanted the attention of being a hero and stuff like that. She never said that. That came out, that was her defense case? No, they didn't even use that Mm. as a defense. So that's kind of just like, oh, this is why she must have done it. However, I didn't find in any of the things that I've read an instance where she 
saved a kid and everyone's like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Right. Right. There's a lot of instances that her bosses sent glowing recommendations. recommendations and reports about her, but that's simply because they wanted her out of their system. Right. right. Mm. But I mean, she was born in the 50s. She had, I believe, two. No, no, no. She had one marriage, had a child with that husband. Then they got divorced, but reconciled years later and had a second child. But that's really, I mean, like she didn't have it. There was nothing that said, you know, she was a product of abuse or she, you know. She obviously didn't take this out on her own children. No, there's no, nothing to say that. There was nothing remarkable about her early life. So weird. So weird. She was a hairdresser before she was a nurse. She gave terrible haircuts. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about the scale real quick. I mean... I almost feel like it's season three. We're episode eight or something like that. It's almost like, do we have to tell people what the scale is? Yeah, they this is my it. favorite part oh, of the episode. Oh, excuse me. Glenn's like, it's my moment. <laughs> As the voice of Murder Bridge. Of course, of course. So the scale we're referring to, obviously, is from Dr. Michael Stone, uh, a noted, uh, he's a forensic psychologist, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. And he's got two books on Amazon. They're great. The first one is called The Anatomy of Evil, and it features... His scale of evil, which is a 1 through 22 categorization of murderers. So we start with level 1. Justifiable homicide. And it goes all the way up to 22. Psychopathic torture murderers with torture as their primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual. And we're going to decide where uh, Nurse Judy... No, what's her name? (laughs) Janine. Janine. Janine Jones. Janine Jones Falls. Ugh. She's just the worst. Like, like I honestly feel like we just don't even have enough information. Like, she just seems uh, malignant. You know what I mean? Like, she just went around killing kids. Like, there's no motive. There's no yeah. reason behind it. Yeah. The crazier thing, though, is still just to think that, like, like think of your job. Mm-hmm. And let's say you made a mistake <laughs> every time. They're like, whether, it, like, let, let's say all your job was just filing paperwork. And they're like... This A file is in the Z every time. And then it's just like, but no one noticed it. Like, it's just like. Well, I would imagine she's not killing every child who comes her way. She probably at least spaced it out to. to... She has, she's only killing an, what was it? A quote, a statistically inordinate <laughs> yeah. number yeah. of children. But just probably to throw off the scent a tiny bit. Right. She's probably not doing it for every But kid. even just like. Oh, no, I know. Once, once you hit, what, five kids? I, feel like, I mean, it's yeah. just like. Uh, I think there was a story. I could be mixing this up, but I think it was a story where it got to the point where everyone was like, if if she was on shift, everyone's like, someone's going to die. Ugh, gross. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, but not knowing anything about her, I think it's really hard. I, I mean, we're just going with basically her murders. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we could add a torture element because so- several of the kids she ended up paralyzing or ruining their internal organs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just death. It wasn't a fast death. I don't... I think that consider- that's considered for torture. She wanted them to feel pain. I don't know if she did. She was a nurse. She had access to other chemicals that would have been a quick death, I feel like. I mean, but, I mean, a lot of it was a quick... Well, I don't know if it was a quick death. Because being that she used paralytics, right? Yeah. It wasn't... It wasn't... They would have died of suffocation. Yeah. So that's what I mean is like, I feel like her choice of medication is very telling. I'm going with the clues we got, Clinton. I I know. I know. All right. Well, so... Well, so first, unfortunately, there is no... Whether your victims are innocent children or not. That's not like a, a thing here. So for our listeners, the way that the scale reads is the amount of psychopathy and sadistic nature of your killings so that even some down at the bottom don't necessarily have to kill at all if they are in it for the torture they're considered more evil than someone that might just kill somebody so let's see here i do know that in anatomy of evil dr stone generally puts angels of death at level 11 i believe that's the killers of people in the way however I still, I wouldn't classify her. No. I don't know if I'd classify Angels of Death as, as, well, I'm not Michael Stone, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd put them under 11. I don't think she's an Angels of Death because, like you said, she's not, she's not killing 
cancer-ridden children. She's killing very healthy, normal babies. Which, so my first thought is 15 psychopathic, cold-blooded, spree or multiple murderers. It does feel very cold-blooded. There's no information about her taking it out on, you know, parents who wronged her or anything like that. It feels very, like, methodical. Yeah, and it doesn't seem, there was no, like, it, it didn't seem to matter. Yeah. I don't know if she got some kind of thrill out of it. It just almost seemed like it was just a thing to do. Uh, one thing we haven't just, uh, we haven't thought about is uh, what if she was just a really bad nurse? What if she just <laughs> she just was always fucking up? <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> where she really thought that this one drug was like oh no it's it's I keep messing it up with penicillin. And shit. <laughs> um yeah I don't know. Uh, okay no I'm sorry. Death makes me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> You're in the wrong business. No. Okay, 15. What else you got over there? So beyond that, 16 is psychopathic persons committing multiple vicious acts, which can include murder, but doesn't have to. But then we get into, like, the straight-up sexually perverse and torture murders. So 17 to 22. There there isn't a sexual element, so that definitely takes those out. What's 14? Ruthlessly self-centered psychopathic schemers, a uh, murder brunch favorite. Yeah, fourteen does pop up a lot, but honestly, I don't think she is. Well, I guess not. I because all of her victims are victims of opportunity. Yeah, well, and also it's like what she has no scheme. She has no scheme. She just injects whoever's available, and like she has, she's not hiding it. She's not. I mean, she's hiding it, but not well. Yeah. So she's a terrible schemer, if that is true. There's no. There is. There's no real. Since that she's narcissistic or self-centered. No. In fact, if she had been doing it to save children, then the narcissism, I think, would come yes. in. Yes. Had, had we seen any evidence of that actually playing out, I could see it, but... I guess 15 is really the only viable spot for her. 15 is another pretty popular one for our podcast. Right, It's right there with our other poisoners. The Brewster ants. <laughs> well, this is pretty much that. Uh, yeah. But well, it's in a less humorous setting. <laughs> and they, didn't they rob the guys too? Or? No. It, no, she never robbed they, them. But they were poisoning They were bad in, people. No, no, no. They were or poisoning no. men because they were sad. They were sad. Yeah. They Those were lonely, had, yeah. lonely, sad men. And mm. they were putting them out of their misery. And that, and I, I wish, I wish we had more information from her. You know, this is one of those times that I, and I know this is going to sound kind of sick. I wish she had written a tell-all book or something like that because, or some, some true crime doc had, had interviewed her or something because I, I really would love to know why, why would you do this? Why would you do this terrible thing? I think she's keeping that like to herself because the, there are a couple articles that I read that specifically said her motive is still unknown. Definitively. Well, then I guess we don't, we don't have much of a choice but to put her at 15. I mean, I mean, this is the sheer act. Yeah. Of, of poisoning children. And so many, which I mean, I know that the, you know, the body count doesn't necessarily contribute, but, but like, but it is one of those things where it's, she's a serial killer. Yeah. Right. She's, she's, and she's a prolific one because even if it was just the 11 that she Ugh. had has been charged for, I think there was like a total of 11 that they have like records uh, on her. Um, but that's just the ones that they can definitively prove. Mm. But it's they feel like it's more towards like 40s to oh 60 gosh. children. But they just can't prove it. Yeah. I wonder how many parents came forward afterward and was like, I think she... I think it was my kid. Mm. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they discovered that records were missing or destroyed. Because there are a bunch of parents saying, hey, by the way, this happened. Yeah. And the kids she, like, paralyzed and stuff like that. Like, I wonder, so what was the, the timeline of her typical, like... Does the child go home and this medicine starts kicking no, in? But they, it had to be at yeah. the facility. Yeah, I mean, like, so the um, the hospital, she worked in the intensive care unit. So the kids so were all... in the hospital for reasons. And so they they died there, right? Oh, okay, maybe she did start out as an angel of death then. If that was her first position. 
That's a lot of yeah children because it's, I mean, but it's intensive care. Like that's it's that intensive. is the sickest babies. It's true, but it, I I don't I doubt it was again statistically inornate right number. So those kids, there are probably plenty of kids who weren't dying. Yeah, you know, maybe they just had a bad burn or something like that. Right, or you know, um, and then of course, but those kids died in the hospital. But when she went to the clinic and she was killing like five, those five kids at the clinic or six kids, it was six kids from this particular clinic. Um, I don't think it was very long of a process. Right. I mean, the whole thing with Chelsea McClellan is, you know, she died within moments of receiving the shots or she at least stopped breathing within right. moments. And honestly, that might have been a mistake on her part because she probably... Because if she had more kids die within moments of her getting shot, she probably would have been caught sooner. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that one might have been the mistake that kind of tipped it over to the authorities. But previous ones, maybe they did go home. And then the parents maybe didn't even link it to the vaccinations or something like that. Maybe. I I would think so. Vaccinations in quotes. You know, something like that. I don't know. That's just awful. Like the blood thinner that she gave to the the little boy, that's going to cause like a cardiac arrest yeah you know so you wouldn't necessarily link that to getting a shot of medicine that was supposed to be for something completely different right yeah the the working in the icu i didn't pick up on that fact that i mean it really could have been it could have all obviously all angels of death start out as trying to help and then going too far Mm -hmm. she could have started out like that there might have been it might have started with one kid who was dying you know and she's just trying to ease their pain or whatever i'm not excusing her behavior i'm trying to find reason what her motive could possibly be and so maybe she did start out like that and then she just got and then she it was just and then she got off on it yeah Yeah. no seriously like that's because there is not there were too many deaths for her to be like well i'm doing this for attention. Right. I mean, she could have been psychotic. She could have been rationalizing. It was like she, she thought the parents were unfit. Or she thought she came up with a reason why she thought the children were sick. Or something. Or maybe she was an anti-vaxxer. And she's like, oh my god, these parents are giving their kids vaccinations. And she's, you know, and she's like, they'd be better off dead than vaccinated. You know, I mean, like. Yeah. And those, none of those the, are rational. The only, the only thing <laughs> that are, she ever said about her rationale. Yeah. Was after the, the six from the clinic. She said that she was trying to, like, start movement to make, like, an ICU for children in Kerrville. But, I mean, again, that just, it's like, that doesn't make any sense because obviously they don't, if you're not there, they don't need it, (laughs) you know? Right. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. So, I mean, it's just, it's like, she doesn't even know why she's doing doing it. it. Yeah. Or, like, she doesn't want to admit why she's doing it. When she was arrested, was she still working as a nurse from the 80s to 2017? Or was she already, like, retired? She was in jail. She was in jail. Oh, oh. In 1985, she went to jail. 95, 85? 85. 85, okay. 1985, she went to jail. And then it wasn't until 2017 that they brought... The other cases. The other cases against her. Okay. So they So they, they put her in jail in the... She was, what, in her... 30s, 40s, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Nurse Janine Jones, 15. 14. 15. 15. No, 15. 15. 15. 15. 15. 15. With the other poisoners. All right. Should we do another shitty story? <laughs> we should just rename this podcast to The Shitty, shitty Story Hour. <laughs> um, okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So our second story doesn't have, it's typically an unsolved crime or some kind of weird case that we do not put anyone on the scale. It's just for kicks. So here we go. I'm going to take you back to August 31st, 1961. Good year. Yeah, real good. Uh, We are in Tacoma, Washington. This is the disappearance of Anne Marie Burr. B-U-R-R, Burr. Like Aaron Burr. Correct, but Anne Marie. Okay. Mom is Beverly. She's a teacher, but always wanted to be a journalist. And I mentioned that because she is a driving force in this case. And it's because she's... A badass. And um, Anne-Marie's dad, Donald, is a civilian employee at the National Guard base in the town. All right. It's Labor Day weekend, and the Burr children are spending it getting ready for the upcoming school year and hanging out with their friends and, you know, partying before um, the last little bit of summer. 
Anne is eight. She's the oldest. Then there's Julie, seven, Greg, five, and Mary, three. Um, <laughs> on a couple of different articles, the kids are a little mixed up. Sometimes it says she has two brothers instead of one. Sometimes it says Julie is the three-year-old and Mary's. The, I don't know. But the, this article that I, I got, I detailed the date, the ages, I feel was the most accurate. So um, we're going to go with it. Uh, Anne was invited to a sleepover that night, but Beverly wanted her to stay home since school was starting the next day. So she's, Anne is eight and she's the the eldest. She shares a room with the three-year-old Mary. All right. Her other two siblings were down in the basement that night, sleeping one more time in a makeshift fort they had made for the summer. So they're in the basement. Anne-Marie and her sister are in their room. I'm already sad because this all sounds adorable. It's very adorable. Um, They sound like a really... I don't know. They just sound like sweethearts. Beverly remembers chaining the front door and locking it. And Donald put their dog, Barney, on the landing of the stairs to sleep for the night. Uh, He's a Cocker Spaniel. So this is all-American, cutesy family. Mary, had the three-year-old, had recently hurt her arm. And Anne brought her to her parents in the middle of the night when Mary's cast began to bother her. So that's the last time they see Anne-Marie is when she brings Mary to their room. Beverly gets up at 5.30 in the morning to use the bathroom, and when she passes the girl's room, she saw Anne-Marie was gone. So it's early in the morning, Anne-Marie is already missing. There appeared to be no struggle. The door was now unlocked, even though Beverly is certain she chained it at 11. All right, she is positive. But now it's unlocked. Donald remembered their Cocker Spaniel barking, but thought it had to do with a rainstorm, and the kids in the basement heard nothing. So there was no struggle, Anne-Marie was just missing. They searched the house. And when they can't find her, they start, they call the police. In her bathrobe, Beverly went door to door asking neighbors if they knew anything. And nobody did. Nobody had any answers. Around the side of the house, there was a stool against the living room wall where they had had a window open a little bit for air. And there was a one footprint. It was a kid's shoe that they believe was a size six or seven. So pretty small. And the living room window was now more open. There was no other evidence except red thread in the window jam. There were no fingerprints. There was nothing. The shoe print and the red thread. That's it. So what they believe happened was the kidnapper came into the living room that way, went upstairs, got Amory, and then took her out through the front door. And so obviously this makes people believe that it was someone she knew because they just walked out rather than Amory putting up a struggle. Even that, though, seems weird. Like, even if it was someone she knew... Like, someone to wake her up. She's eight years old. She's not, like, three. You know what I mean? She's eight years old. She wakes up in the middle of the night. It's a buddy of hers. And she's like, yeah, let's just walk out the house. Like, it seems strange. Well, if she's, like, half asleep. Half asleep. I feel like the person if was probably still care- threatening. Like, if they carried her out Maybe. and stuff like that. And she's, like, just asleep on their shoulder. And I mean, my... Eight, eight is pretty big. But my kid is almost seven. And she's... We can still... Yeah, like, she's light. She's still... We can move her. And she doesn't remember... I mean, she'll walk up and downstairs and not remember... Yeah. Anything. So, okay. So, that's all the evidence they have. Neighbors had reported seeing someone in the burr yard at night. This was a few days previously. There was reports of a peeping Tom. So, whoever it was oh. might have been casing the place, getting ready, and then coming in and taking... Amory. It is treated like a kidnapping immediately, which for the 60s is actually pretty wonderful. Like, the police get on it right away. This is, in fact, one of the stories where the police supposedly have done everything they could. It's one where there's like two to four detectives who worked on this case their entire lives. Like, they died working on these cases. Like, retired and continued working on this case. Like, it was very, it was a very dedicated um, what's the word I'm looking for? Force. Yeah, like, I mean, just like, they were Presence. very, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they were treating it seriously and, and doing the best they could. So they treated it like a kidnapping immediately. Police set up in the basement and expected a ransom call to come in, but none did. So let's talk about Tacoma real quick for a second. Tacoma at this time in the 60s was the kidnap capital of the West. Oh. Beginning in the 20s, kidnapping for ransoms became really popular, starting with Albert Fish for uh, those who are interested. You don't know who that is. We may have to cover him in a oh later episode. Oh my gosh. Episode. He is... Look forward to it. He is an absolutely disgusting disgusting individual oh my who gosh. did the most repugnant things oh my gosh to children. he's gonna be low or like high on that list yeah. he was um he's the worst but he he's kind of like seen as the first like kidnapper like and of course this is arguable as you far mean as, like professional i attended yeah. kidnapping college and... gross it, obviously you could argue who started kidnapping right right but he's like a, 
he started this boon of kidnapping through the 20s, 30s, 40s, even and so forth. Especially for ransom. Like, this is, and not that Fish, I don't know if Fish ever asked for ransom. They no, thought he, he was going no, to. No, he doesn't want that. But, like, he started kidnapping, and then other people were like, oh, we could get on this and get money. So that's, that's anyway, that's where it started. Um, in 1935, three years after the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped, we're in Tacoma again, nine-year-old George Weyerhauser, or Weyerhauser, was kidnapped. He was the son of a timber baron, and the kidnappers asked for $200,000. And again, this was in the 30s, so that's pretty good. That's a lot of money. Uh, they were arrested, so they were very bad kidnappers, and the boy was fine. He, he was okay. A year later, 10-year-old Charlie Matson was not so lucky. He was kidnapped from his home and ransomed for $28,000 from uh, his physician dad. So he came from a pretty good money family. But two weeks later, his naked body was found in a field and that murder was never solved. So this is what's been going on in Tacoma, right? The city's police records were full of, quote, sex perverts, exhibitionists, sex oddballs, psychos, crackpots, halfwits, queers, and women with lesbian tendencies. <laughs> yeah. That was all written down in a report. This is the 30s? Yeah. Well. 60s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's basically what I'm saying is that Tacoma is supposed to be seen as like this idyllic kind of suburb kind of town and everything, but it actually had like, this whole hotbed yeah. of. You said, I mean, it was like the all-American yeah. family yeah. home right, and stuff right. like that, but really it's just got a bunch of queers around. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Which, of course, of course, I'm sure led to the wrong people being targeted. But mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Um, she likes girls. Get her. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, okay. So Beverly, the mom, she was eight when the Matson boy was taken. And it had always stuck with her. And then she grows up to have an eight-year-old kidnapped. Mm, yep. So this is one of those things that... That's a worst nightmare comes yeah, through, right? Exactly. Um, Donald, her dad, never trusted some of their neighbors. He suspected... There, there was a woman across the street. Who, <laughs> this is another one that's little. There was a woman across the street who spent time in an insane asylum after giving birth to a mixed race baby. Obviously so, distressful. Obviously <laughs> distressful. Okay, so we go past that one. Yeah. <laughs> then there was another male neighbor who liked to sunbathe nude in his backyard. Um, the neighborhood kids would visit him because he gave them candy. Oh my! Oh, okay. okay. So <laughs> I, I was fine. Yeah, I was now, fine. Did he give them candy while he was nude? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he just gave out candy. I don't know. Either, I don't know. Either way. I don't know. Either way. So anyways, perf- you know, perfectly dressed. Yeah. I mean, th- you know, three-piece suit and giving out candy to, to strange children. I mean, <laughs> this is also 2021 hindsight, right? People, just don't talk to children. Don't talk to children. Don't, don't give talk them to them anything. Children. Don't give them anything except on Halloween. Don't talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those and, so- and our message to children, no adult wants to talk to no you. No adult wants to talk to you. So don't go near them. That's absolutely They true. don't need your help. They don't, they don't need your information. They don't want to give you anything. So those were some of the people that Donald was suspicious of. Just before Labor Day, a man selling cookware in the area, like I guess door to door or maybe yep, outside yep, store yep. or something. Yep. Uh, which was strange since he wasn't carrying any pots or pans. So, yeah. It kind of sounded like he said pants. Or pants. (laughs) He didn't have any pants. He had no pots. He had no pants. (laughs) Another was going door to door selling plans to build basement bunkers because this was during the Cold War. Yep. So there were all all these like like, weird suspects. In fact, I I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. There's a bunch of them. A teenage neighbor was questioned because he flirted with Anne Marie and her cousin. When she was, you know, she he did grow up to be a registered sex offender, so okay. might have kept okay. a better eye on him. In 1964, so this was a this was a what was it? A, this was three years after Anne Marie's disappearance. An auto parts salesman in Spokane took a ten year old girl from Tacoma to Portland, Oregon. All right, so he kidnapped this ten year old. He let her go, which was wonderful, but then went and killed himself before cops could arrest him and find out if he had any connection to the Burr case. And then there was another Burr family in Tacoma with the dad named Donald. There was a whole different family named Burr. And, and he was an architect and he was going through a messy divorce. So they thought that might might have gotten the kid wrong. And they were trying to oh, kidnap and then they Donald's found kid. out right. it was the wrong kid. So get rid of that right, one. Right. Yeah. But um, police ruled that out. They said that that was a, a suspicion for a while. But I guess they got inf- information that that was not the case in Amory's um, missing uh, disappearance. That would have sucked. Yeah. That would have been like 
like completely pointless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that has there are cases of that that I remember reading. But anyway, during the search for Amory, like where they're actually canvassing neighborhoods and walking around and stuff like that, there's a there was an area of construction zone, and Donald and his brother Raleigh ran into a lone teenager who was kicking dirt in a ditch, and he gave them a real weird vibe. He was, quote, smirking when they, I guess maybe they questioned him, and he was a smartass about it. Well, you did say he was a teenager. (laughs) I know. Kicking dirt. Kicking (laughs) dirt, and so they thought that was suspicious. Uh, What are you doing over there? Right. (laughs) Donald told the police to search the area because it was a construction zone, and it would have been, you know, there were lots of opportunities to, to hide something there, I guess. Um, but when they finally did go in and check it out, the construction was finished and all the ditches were closed up. So if she was there, she's been covered by concrete at this point. This was the largest manhunt in Tacoma history. They searched houses and attics. They sent cops into sewers. They hired divers to search a, uh, like a, it, it's kind of like a runoff pond from their water, air, like irrigation area or something like that. Or yeah. So anyway. And they went to shoe stores looking for a match to the kids, and they found nothing. Hmm. The most famous suspect in this case was Ted Bundy. Okay. You know who that is, Clinton? Yes, but he didn't normally go for children. Correct. He is known for mostly co-eds and stuff like that, yeah. Donald suspected the smirking teenager he met that day in the construction zone was Ted Bundy. Hmm. But... He was only really certain of this after Bundy had become notorious. But here's the thing. Bundy lived in Tacoma at the time. He was 14 years old. His family had moved there to be closer to his great uncle, Jack Cowell, who was a music professor. He was actually Anne-Marie Burr's piano teacher. Oh. So Bundy did know the Burrs. He knew Anne-Marie. The magnitude of their relationship like how well he knew her is up for debate it's different from every article you read like some some of the articles i read it was like ted bunny he's like absolutely did know her they like palled around with other kids in the neighborhood that kind of thing and then others are like no he didn't really know her at all he just in passing kind of knew her but he was aware of her family and that kind of stuff like obviously donald did not recognize him at the construction site that day right so you know i don't know i don't think he knew them he knew Ted Bundy very well, so I don't think Anne-Marie knew him really well. But there but there are weird weird coincidences. So wait, so it was Ted Bundy's, you said mom was the piano teacher? Great uncle. Great uncle. Yeah. Okay. But that was the whole reason they were in town. They were living with him, right. I think. They were, yeah. He also had an early morning paper route that took him through the Burr's neighborhood. So he knew where she lived. Allegedly, later in the 70s, with Dr. Ronald Holmes from the University of Louisville School of Justice Administration, Bundy told one of his third-person stories. This was often how he recounted his crimes, was doing it in third person. And he recalled... So pretentious. Yeah. He recalled having, quote, stalked, strangled, and sexually mauled his first victim, an eight-year-old girl who mysteriously vanished from her Tacoma home 26 years ago. All right? That sounds pretty telling Mm -hmm. but when beverly reached out to him for the true story in the 80s and she was like you're in jail you're gonna die there can you at least tell me what happened to my daughter he said he had nothing to do with her disappearance and anything to the contrary was rumors and by all accounts i think bundy was pretty much coming clean on a lot of his stories by that point Mm -hmm. so it seems weird that he would not tell the truth but this would make amory burr would be his very first victim because right. he was 14. And he did have a history at 14 of being a peeping Tom, prowling the neighborhood at night. Like, he was already a weirdo. Ted Bundy was always going to be a weirdo. And so he was... It's a, it's a fascinating idea. I think it actually holds credence. One of the other theories against it, though, is he was only 14. To be able to take an 8-year-old girl out of her home, murder her, and hide a body is pretty, pretty hard for a teenager to do. I mean... It's happened before. It has. But most of those 14-year-olds do get caught. They do get caught. But, I mean, he may have had time to think about it a lot. Yeah. And he was, um, I mean, the, what he did. The, the thought that, or the, the fact that they never found her, mm-hmm. that's weird. That is weird. That's why I think she might actually be in the, I don't know if the teenager was responsible, but I think she was in that construction zone. Mm-hmm. And they just searched it too late. Yeah. It was a little off the beaten path. I don't think it was where they originally thought... She would be like Donald and Raleigh. It was like their last place to look, you know that kind of thing. And but I think that's probably the best bet of where she probably was. 
Again, I'm not a cop. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. But who knows? That is so. Even let, let's assume that it wasn't Ted Bundy. Sure. That is an amazing like just points of overlap. Yeah. To to this story though. Right. So. Like, and some people are like, well, maybe it wasn't Bundy, but maybe he learned from this crime. Like he got ideas about how to do things based on because he definitely would have heard the story if nothing else and followed it in the news and stuff like that. Um. So the Burrs moved on after a few years. They got a new home uh, and adopted a daughter named Laura. And in the 90s, a psychiatrist called Beverly and said one of his patients was Anne-Marie. He was convinced it was Anne-Marie. Wow. Beverly agreed to meet her, but she said she immediately knew it was not her daughter. This would have been a woman in her 40s by this point. Uh, they, they went on to meet five or six times, but uh, they eventually took a DNA test and they confirmed they were not related. Beverly and Donald died in the early 2000s with no definite answers. In 2011, a DNA profile was done on Ted Bundy, but they and they sent it to Tacoma, but there wasn't enough from the Burr residents to check to see if there was any match to him. Right. So that was the case of Anne Marie Burr. Hmm. Nobody, nothing ever found. That one's probably going to go down in history as we'll never know the answer to. I I I think it very well could have been Bundy's first victim. Now, so again, obviously, Bundy well known more for like sorority girls, and right. et cetera, later. But did he, like, is it known that he did other things in his teenage Like, I think most of his crimes start in his 20s. Like, I, I think they're, they don't, I mean, obviously they don't officially consider Anne Marie his first victim. Right. So, 30 homicides beginning in 1974. So he would have been 24. Right. Yeah. 2027. 20, so, much older. Because it just... Oh, I would think if... I didn't know that. Ted Bundy had a kid. Did you know that? No. Rose Bundy. Oh. I hope she's doing that okay. Name. Yeah. I bet she couldn't wait to get married. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You were going to say... But, so I, I would... And again, I, I don't know. But I would think that if it had been him and he got his first taste of it then, he would have done it more... Before fourteen years later, well, I, I mean, mid, I don't know. No, he's late still twenties. He was still a kid. He was still heavily watched. Ted Bundy again is one we might have to do at some point. I mean, I'm sure Michael Stone has done it for the scale, actually. Mm-hmm. But he he had he's one of those who had a terrible childhood. He was abused and or well, no, he wasn't. He came from a good home, wasn't it? Yeah, he he was he was just off his rocker. Yeah, but if it was that situation where in the fact. If they moved him when he was 14 and he was bored and mm-hmm. he found this girl and he, you know, fantasized and thought about what he was going to do to her, how he was going to get rid of the body, da, 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 and had planned it out, then he did it. And then the shit storm came after it. He may just not have been in a position to do anything. Right. He, he had to go dormant. He couldn't find another victim yeah and being 14 where you have no say over you know where you go what you do i mean more so back then you know but um like you go around kicking dirt and ditches without yeah <laughs> without except for two dudes accosting you and yeah. find out but um, um but it, it yeah. just may be that he never had that situation until he moved out on his own right like if he did this at 14 it might have been a case of he got lucky yeah and then was like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta redo how yeah. I do things. And if he was almost caught that day at the construction site, and it was just too close for comfort, he he may have retreated until right. he got into. It. I mean, like that's the thing is, H.H. Like, H. Holmes, right? He didn't do a whole lot of notable things until he built his castle, mm-hmm. and then he went. Hogwild. <laughs> yeah, and then he went nuts. And, you know, because he had that that base where no one could touch yeah. him. And that just may have been what Bundy was yeah. looking for. But So, if nothing else, this crime probably did affect him in some way. If he didn't do it, then I think he probably learned from it. And... Assuming, again, that we think he does touch this case as much as he does. Yeah. It could be he's like, no, I barely talked to my great uncle. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I can definitely see in the case of an unsolved wanting to be able to latch on to something. Sure. And, you know. I think it's like, what were the circumstances? Because his great uncle was her music music teacher, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so if he was living in his house. If she and, went, he has a, and he has the paper route in her name. And he has the paper route. But I mean, like, if he's living at his great uncle's house and she had to go to his house to do the yeah. music thing, and then he saw her, he didn't even have to speak to her to have some kind of, you yeah. know, zero in on her. So, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that is, I mean, that's the thing is when, when did he become a predator? Right. And did he have the opportunity to be a predator at 14? Well, he was already starting to do peeping Tom stuff, which is a precursor. So, I don't know. I think it's a viable theory. But like I said, without the evidence that they could get from the Burr residents, I just don't think they're ever going to solve this one. Also, what size of a I know. shoe? Six or seven. So it would have to be a pretty young dude. That's, or a that's woman. about... That's about right for a 14-year-old. You're, and, you're and, six to eight. And, general, and men didn't wear kids. It was in the 60s. In the 60s? Well, I guess not. I guess it's not that bad. You're right. I do think of kids as girls' shoes. You think of them as nurse shoes. But I think kids are pretty... I think that kids were really popular in the 60s. I think a lot of people wore them. They were They were popular when my sister was a teenager. But, I mean... In the 60s? No. They, <laughs> were, they weren't so popular that they could find a match. I think they were so popular they couldn't find a match. I think that was the whole thing is that so many people bought kids they couldn't narrow it oh, down. Oh, I thought you, you said that they checked the stores and couldn't find a match. Right, they couldn't they couldn't find who bought the pair that matched that. But I think that's just because they they couldn't narrow down the search. Um, and they didn't have like credit card receipts, like you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. probably most were paid in cash. And but. Either way, the, the yeah the the but again that footprint could have been left by a friend of Amory's from the previous day. You know, it may not even right. have been le- led or uh, left behind by the abductor. That's just what they thought. Man, how ballsy that! Like, like uh, obviously, other than lacking psychopathic traits, I don't think I could sneak into somebody's house like while there are people in it and, and a lot like, of people four yeah. kids and two parents like that's a lot of kids you and know? a dog and a dog and you snuck right see that was another thing is whoever was snuck right past the dog without even if the dog was barking it wasn't enough to raise alarms with donald you know mm-hmm. he heard the barking but didn't think it was anything so that means that the dog was either cool with whoever this dude was or lady um or uh the person was able to keep the dog silent you know or was able to tell Amory to come downstairs without waking anybody up. I don't, you know, I don't know. He had a sausage in his pants. Yeah. The old <laughs> sausage in your pants to get past sausage the Sausage in your pocket to get past the dog. Um, or, yeah, it could have been completely different and arranged ahead of time that whoever kidnapped her told her, hey, how about on this day you come maybe meet me downstairs? Maybe that's and- why she sent Mary to another room. So Mary wouldn't, you know, and they did, they did um, question Mary, but she was three. She really couldn't give him any information. So, yeah. I mean, it could have been an arranged meeting and then... I mean, shit. It could have been a boy she ran off with and got married to and... <laughs> I know. She was eight. I don't think that was the case. <laughs> I like to think of a happy ending. But I don't think there was one for Amory. It's really sad. And yeah, and Beverly and Donald just... Uh, they worked tirelessly trying to find answers to it forever. And nothing. It's nice that they adopted... Yeah. I think they always wanted a big family. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. And now we are finished. Yeah. Now time for our murder nap. <laughs> I need a murder nap so bad. <laughs> um, okay. Well. Uh, I get, Oh, sources. Let's do sources. All right. So sources. For my story are, I got them from Oxygen Shoe Crime, True Crime Museum, and Murderpedia.org. And mine are from HistoryByDay.com and The Charlie Project. Are you going to make notes on that now? I pulled it over. I don't know why. I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I need to write down these sources. <laughs> Join us next time. Well, no. Let's let's just talk a little bit about socials real quick. Let's just, let's just get serious for a second. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, you can read just anything that says Burger Brunch. That's, that's all our stuff. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. Facebook. We have a email that is murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. Our website is murderbrunchbunch.com. And we have a Patreon. Yep. <laughs> For $5 a month, you can get 
an extra story from our very own voice of Murder Brunch. Come listen to these dulcet tones. <laughs> and drink recipes and little uh, audio outtakes and stuff like that. Little cute stuff. There's a lot of outtakes, by the way. So many outtakes. I mean, I know we come off as highly professional, mm-hmm. well-edited, but there are there are a lot so of many. outtakes. So a lot of the outtakes are, um... <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the outtakes are Rachel insisting on eating or drinking while yes. someone else is talking. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's it, right? That's all the stuff we need to cover? I think so. Watch for John Eisenman. We're, we're keeping an eye on you. <laughs> He's coming for you. <laughs> Yikes. And join us next time. For more mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Bye.